Good morning. I'm Wimala. Today is Tuesday, August the 23rd, and I think it's, uh, it's another beautiful day. A little warmer today than we've had for the last few days, but still cooler than we typically have in August. So a friend of mine, like uh, Mary Jane, uh, looked up in the farmer's almanac and they, because we noticed all the critters, all the birds, all the chipmunks, all the squirrels are just eating like crazy with the, uh, you know, going through the sunflower seeds at an alarming rate. And uh, the almanac said, and we thought this is their behavior more in September and later. This is like getting ready to uh, go into their sort of dormant stage over the winter. And uh, she did uh, go and find the almanac online and it said that this is supposed to be a very different winter. It's going to start the uh, more in December, we're going to start having the heavy snow, which we don't have here until January, usually. And it did say that fall seems to be animals, that a lot of animals and the cicadas are very loud, and there are lots and lots of animals that are uh, displaying fall eating patterns, uh, like they're going to store it. So that was interesting to see. We've been watching nature and watching the creatures and other people as well have been noticing it around here. So I don't know if we go by the almanac so much anymore, but it was fun that she followed up with it and found that information. So just keep supplying them with food. It helps them make it through the winter. That's my assumption. So today I'm going to finish this uh, well, maybe what I should do is just read this whole thing again because I was going to start in the middle. But if you're like me at all, it'd be better to just start at the beginning, get it all the way through. And it's a very good essay. And it's from Sharon Salzberg's book, A Heart as Wide as the World, Stories on the Path of Loving Kindness. So why don't we just do that? And then we'll sit and uh, then wherever you are in your day or evening <clears throat> you'll go on from there so hopefully we'll all be together for this 30 minutes and hopefully it will be a peaceful uh, break for you in your day uh, so if you heard this just a few days ago on Sunday, I'm, I hope it's uh, not, I think it's a good story. Maybe it won't be so bad to hear it again, the first half. Happy to concentrate. When I first started practice, practicing meditation, I assumed that it took a great deal of laborious, grim effort to tame the mind and develop concentration. <clears throat> In my first meditation retreat, I became so frustrated with the persistent wanderings of my attention that in a frenzy, I declared to myself that the next time my attention wandered, I would start to bang my head against the wall. Fortunately, the lunch bell rang just then. Standing in the lunch line, 
I overheard a conversation between two students I didn't know. One of them was asking the other how his morning had gone. The other man replied with apparent great lightness of spirit. I couldn't really concentrate strongly, but this, but this afternoon may well be better. I turned around in great shock and regarded him with disbelief. Why isn't he as upset as I am? Doesn't he take this stuff seriously at all? This was my first meeting with Joseph Goldstein. Five and a half years later, along with Jack Cornfield and many committed friends, we would be the founders of the Insight Meditation Society. By that time, I had come to understand what lay behind Joseph's lighthearted statement. As my practice evolved, I learned that the conditions required for concentration to develop were far from the kind of tormented struggle I had engaged in. In Buddhist psychology, every wholesome quality of mind has what is called a proximate cause. This is the condition or the basis that most easily and readily gives rise to a particular quality. For example, the proximate cause of metta or loving kindness is seeing the goodness in someone. So metta most easily arises when we can see the good in someone. I had expected the proximate cause of concentration to be something like intense zeal, zeal or valiant struggle. Instead, much to my surprise, according to the Buddhist teachings, the proximate cause of concentration is happiness. That's great. As I had realized, straining to keep the mind on an object does not cre create the condition for concentration to most readily arise. However, when the mind is at ease, serene and happy, we can more easily and naturally concentrate. Happiness in this sense does not mean the fleeting experience of pleasure, which inherently contains a quiet anxiety based on knowing that the moment will pass. The kind of happiness that is the proximate cause of concentration <clears throat> is a state of tranquility in which our hearts are calm, open, and confident. But how do we arrive at this state of happiness? In some degree, we arrive there by having a correct perspective, the perspective Joseph was evincing in that lunchtime so many years ago. There are always what we perceive as ups and downs in practice. Meditation is a cyclical process that defies analysis but demands acceptance. As my practice developed, I found that the ability to accept and allow for changing experience was connected to my degree of self-respect. When my sense of self-respect was strong, I could go through difficult periods without being so disheartened. Difficulties did not reflect a lack of self-worth to me. As, and I could go through pleasant periods without trying to get a death grip on them for fear they would change and leave me feeling badly about myself. For me, self-respect definitely seemed a key component in maintaining the happiness 
that in turn helped give rise to concentration. And it became clear that my level of self-respect was rooted in how I behaved during the rest of my life, when I was not sitting on the meditation cushion. I found this truth not only in my practice, but in the classical Buddhist teachings as well. These teachings are often presented in a causal sequence, which shows how one state of mind helps create the conditions for the arising of the next. In the Vasudhimaka, The Path of Purification, a famous commentarial work of the Theravada tradition, happiness takes its place in a logical unfolding that leads from morality to ultimate liberation. The text opens by telling us that morality is considered the foundation for the development of restraint. In Buddhism, morality does not mean a forced or puritanical abiding by rules. Morality means living with intentions that reflect our love and compassion for ourselves as well as others. As the philosopher George Santayana said, morality is a desire to lessen suffering in the world. I like that too. When we live in harmony with the innate truth of our interdependence, we want to refrain from doing harmful acts. This leads to the next mental condition of restraint. Restraint is a foundation for the development of the absence of remorse. When we restrain a momentary impulse to do a harmful act, we are able to see the impermanence and transparency of the desire that initially arose. Having avoided harmful action, we also avoid the guilt, fear of discovery, and the confusion and regret that come when we forget that what we do has consequences. The positive condition that results from restraint is called gladdening. Absence of remorse is the foundation for the development of gladdening. Gladdening is a state of lightness and ease we find in our lives as we increasingly care for ourselves and other beings. Because we genuinely experience a connection to others, we let go of actions that are hurtful and do fewer things that keep us feeling separate from others. Thus, our common dispiriting sense of loneliness and alienation is relieved. Gladdening is the foundation for the development of happiness. In this way, we arrive at happiness, a happiness of peace, composure, and strength. This is happiness that is not going to fracture as conditions change, as people behave in disappointing ways, as we do not get what we want. This is happiness based on knowing our interconnectedness, on the integrity of acting from our deepest values. It is based on a mind at ease. This is self-respect. It then follows, according to the Visuddhimagga, that happiness is the foundation for the development of tranquility. 
rather than the turbulence and agitation that we experience when the mind is full of worry, remorse, and guilt, the mind is quieter because there is not a great bundle of complexity that we need to disentangle and make amends for. We can be more peaceful in this moment. Tranquility arising from happiness is a foundation for the development of concentration. It was obviously this tranquility that I, that I was lacking in that retreat long ago. Concentration is steadiness of mind, the feeling we have when we are one-pointed and powerful in our attention. When we can concentrate, a door opens to insight and wisdom. Concentration is thus the foundation for the development of correct knowledge and vision. This means being able to see things as they actually are without so quickly distorting the experience through the filter of our hopes and fears. It is a release from these filters that leads us personally, intimately, to trust in our own sense of truth. Correct knowledge and vision, once firmly a part of our lives, is a foundation for the development of dispassion. Dispassion does not mean coldness or indifference, but rather a spaciousness of mind in which we enjoy a sense of wholeness and sufficiency, no matter what the particular transitory life situation. It is equanimity in the face of the changing circumstances we are continually meeting. Whether we get what we want or not, we can see things in perspective. We can do what needs to be done to try to alleviate our own or other suffering, and we can do it from a place of inner peace. This was Joseph in the lunch line, though at the time I thought he was frivolous for not torturing himself, as I was doing myself. I'm stopping here just to read the, the definition of uh, equanimity. It is equanimity in the face of the challenging circumstances we continually meet. Whether we get what we want or not, we can see things in perspective. We can do what needs to be done to try to alleviate our own or other's suffering and we can do it from a place of inner peace. I love that definition for what equanimity really means. Really means. Dispassion. Dispassion is the foundation for the development of the fading away of greed and anger. Once we are moving through life circumstances with more balance and more happiness of self-respect, we are not so mechanically driven by old habits of reaction, like, desperate, like desperately trying to hold on to pleasure or flee from pain. These old habits cannot take root in our hearts in quite the same way. Even when they arise, there is a porous quality to them so that we need not be afraid of them any longer and we can choose not to follow their call. The fading away of greed and hatred is the foundation for liberation. 
Liberation is the sure heart's release. An understanding of the truth so powerful that there is no turning back from it. When we are not approaching our experience with an agenda, trying to have it complete a sense of lack in ourselves, we can pay careful attention to what is arising. We can open to life and learn from it, for our own experience reveals the truth of all life. When we can pay carefully, unbiased attention, we discover the cause of our suffering as well as our freedom from suffering. This sequence is described by the Vasudhimaga, morality, restraint, gladdening, happiness, tranquility, concentration, dispassion, the fading away of greed and anger, liberation, as natural as the movement of the wind. When happiness is seen in the context of this process, it becomes an integral part of our spiritual life. We dedicate our intentions to non-harming, to love and compassion, and we are led to the prospect of freedom. While happiness is an end in itself, one of the fruits of meditation, it is also the state of mind we can have right now, simply by respecting ourselves and having a life of caring. This is the happiness that is an essential ingredient for the ultimate liberation of our minds from suffering. I'm going to read the sequence. This is the sequence to liberation. Morality, restraint, gladdening, happiness, tranquility, concentration, dispassion, the fading away of greed and anger, liberation. So those are the, those are the steps that we're on. So um, I think this is a beautiful essay and this is the, in the first section and it's called um, happy to concentrate so it's it's not only that we uh, so being happy being being uh, having that and having a mind free from remorse those are the best conditions for concentration. So why don't we sit now? We have a good 10 minutes and um, just let your mind be at ease. back be straight even if you're on the floor or in bed standing sitting walking let your spine be straight roll roll your shoulders back it feels good and you'll feel how it supports that straight back not and it now relax so that's not rigid so if you roll your shoulders back and then just hold that kind of rigid posture, 
oh, that's not going to help for meditation. But then if you relax, just feel as you exhale, feel ah, your shoulders are still back and your spine is supporting you. And even the muscles around that spine can relax. Just be with your breath. We want to come together right in the present moment. So let everything you've been thinking about or um, worrying about or anything on your to-do list, just let it let it just subside right now. It may pop up in your thoughts, but you can decide not to feed those thoughts right now. Wait and wait for 10 more minutes. And just let yourself be with the breath. And with each exhale, think, Letting go. Just let everything go. If you do become distracted by thoughts or worries or your to-do list, don't feel bad. Just let it go as soon as you notice you're doing it. And that's the essence of what we're learning. Everything has a top, proper time and place. And right now you can just let go of those things that aren't, aren't right for this clearing of the mind. Relax with a smile on your face. Find the happiness that is with tranquility. It's not about pleasure because pleasure comes and goes. But you want to develop the quality of, a, of tranquility and serenity for your mind.
just what we think of when we talk about true happiness. Back to the breath over and over.
Now, if you can keep sitting and it feels right, go ahead and just do that. But as we end our time together, may all of you be well and happy and live in peace. And may everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all others as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of my practice, for helping me be grounded, and uh, have a beautiful day.